0: Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome in to the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host. I'm here with our executive producer and co-host, Mark Griffith. And we want to thank you for joining us here on the Housing Hour today. We're very excited about having you in here with us, and um, we're also live on Periscope and on Facebook, so we'd love for you to check that out, share it with friends and family. This is a new adventure for us, and um, it's something that we feel is important because we want to get and communicate out as much um, data and content as we possibly can, and with all these millennials these days, they want to be able to see video as well. Well,
0: you also get to show off your hairdos that you get at the barbershop, You have hair that you can get fashioned that way. Yeah, that's you, good to do. You must mean great clips because <laughs> that's my fancy place oh, that I go.
1: Oh. Um, but today we are definitely excited to have a studio in get in uh, studio with us, and uh, Robbie Underwood is with us. And let me, before I introduce them, let me set this up for you to let you know how it was that we um, found Robbie, or how Robbie found us. I'm not sure which one it was.
0: We found Robbie.
1: Yeah, we found Robbie, exactly. Um, but Mark, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on how exactly you met Robbie?
0: Well, um, I was invited over to the Oliver Springs Historical Society to talk about Murder Will Out, our mm-hmm. ebook that, uh, is on the thehousinghour.com. Freshly Hour. copyrighted. <laughs> that is a copyright now, but... Anyway, it's a free ebook, so mm-hmm. anybody can download and share it. That's what we want. But anyway, that I was out speaking to him, uh, to to the group there, and Robbie came up and he was the first person at the society to introduce himself to me, and uh, he, he had everything laid out in the book, and he said he's read it three times. So that's how I met Robbie, and Robbie was instrumental in the refurbishing of the uh, building. Mm. At yeah. the Oliver Springs, which is an old historical building, well, so it's cool.
1: So you went out there, and he is the leader of that historical society, and he he created it. And so first and foremost, Robbie Underwood, thank you so much for coming in, joining us today.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you.
1: Absolutely, and I actually know Robbie because my best friend growing up, Chris. Um, is related to Robbie. It's his son-in-law. And so that's another connection, which we didn't even know that. We had no idea. When you were out there and you said, yeah, there's a Robbie. And, and it, all, Robbie in Oliver Springs is all I needed to hear. And I yeah. said, that has to be Robbie well, I said,
0: I called Kevin. <laughs> and I said, I met
1: this really cool guy. Yeah. And
0: he goes, R-, and I said, Robbie.
1: Sorry. Actually, I probably could have guessed it from right there because <laughs> Robbie is a <laughs> great guy. Um, so, you know, Robbie, when you decided to just – begin this historical society? I mean, Oliver Springs, I mean, goodness gracious, talk about history. It's so rich in history. I mean, you can just drive through the town. I love going there because I literally feel like there's so much of the East Tennessee history right there, and it's been so well preserved. But what made you think, hey, I want to start a historical society? Well, I'll
2: tell you what, uh, I guess to clarify, uh, I actually am the archivist for the historical society. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Pretty much all the publications uh, that we generate uh, come through me, the Mm -hmm. historical articles and such. uh, We have a calendar that's a big hit and uh, each page has uh, a different historical account uh, Mm -hmm. that goes with the picture of the month. but I got involved in the Historical Society back around 2001. Mm-hmm. And actually, the it was a very thriving thing when I got involved in it. Mm-hmm. Mr. Harvey, who has since passed on the, of Harvey's furniture down, downtown. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Mr. Harvey. And Mr. Harvey was one of the reasons I got involved in it because, one, one he was such a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he and I had such a good relationship over the years. But uh, the murders not Mark's murder, Mm -hmm. but... uh, I didn't murder anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's your story. Uh, But anyway, uh, back in 1940, and this will jump around a little bit, but in in February of 1940, uh, there were two wealthy sisters, uh, spinster sisters, as as they would call them back in the day, Mm -hmm. uh, who were brutally murdered, along with Mm -hmm. a young black errand boy uh, they're right in behind where Harvey's furniture now sits. There's a huge Victorian mansion, and uh, that was huge news at the time, and the the, the murderer or murderers were never brought to light. But uh, anyway, in 2001, this story blew up all over again. Uh, it, mm. There was a, an author from LMU, a professor at LMU that uh, had st- started or stated an intent to actually write a book on the on these murders and the, the then police chief of Oliver Springs had an interest in it and Sam Brown who uh, was with Citadel mm-hmm. uh, broadcasting uh, and had been a longtime news uh, person, personality mm-hmm. in the Knoxville area he had done some research on it, started doing some research on it so the whole story kind of blew up again mm-hmm. and uh, a lady who was in the historical society, knowing that I was com- a composer and a lyricist, mm-hmm. asked me if I'd write a story, or excuse me, a song about the murders,
0: hmm. I,
2: and I did. And you uh, want to sing it? No, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. just take my word for it. Wow, I'll get you a copy. Of it. <laughs> right, uh, but we'd anyway. love to. We'd love that. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. But anyway, it was. Uh, that's that's how I got into the historical society. Mm-hmm. And to make a long story short, that book did not. Materialize mm-hmm. uh, the the whole thing with the police chief and Sam Brown. Uh, they did a lot of invest- well. They could have done
1: an ebook. Yeah, right. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I, I'm not sure they knew what e-books were back in 2001. But <laughs> this not. is true. This is true. But anyway the uh, the whole story that it just kind of spiraled out of control. Uh, they had a big press conference, and actually it was carried locally live. You know, on the mm-hmm. local stations, and. Uh, but but anyway, it kind of blew up, and uh, the to make a long story short, the book was never written. Mm-hmm. But that's how I got involved in the historical society, and. Um,
0: but there was a book written about this story.
2: It was, and <clears throat> in fact, I know the author very well, and actually, at one time, uh, she approached me at one time, possibly to you know write this book with her. Mm-hmm. That really didn't happen, but. Uh, she actually wrote a book and uh, a lot of information about that story in this book doesn't come to a conclusion which I'm, at this point so long after the fact I'm not sure that you could come to a very you know you could, it's nothing that hold up in court because right. you know evidence is gone uh, and th- they didn't actually know who did it at the time so uh, so long after the fact it's hard to con- you know conclusively come to consensus on
1: it. What is it about history, Robbie, that really interests our imagination? I mean, you know, because you joining the Historical (laughs) Society, I mean, there's a lot of things that people can join, but you had a ton of people there at that meeting. I mean, there was, what, 60 or 70 people, it looked like?
2: Yeah, probably. And the thing about Oliver Springs Historical Society, it's a very very vibrant group. Mm -hmm. And uh, for a little town like Oliver Springs, there's actually... Cross, looking at the cross section of it, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of varieties of people, mm-hmm. and you know, people come into a group like that. You know, there's fellowship, mm-hmm. and uh, but some people have like a real compelling interest in uh, in in the history. And mm-hmm. Oliver Springs as a town, the cool thing about Oliver Springs, you know, Oliver Springs back in the day around the turn of the century was a resort town. Mm. Nobody knows that ex- except the ones that we have enlightened. Sure, <laughs> but. You know, uh, and going back, I'll just give you a real brief Please. Ha- how this all came, came about. Uh, you know, in the Civil War, Oliver Springs was one of those uh, little communities that wasn't uh, wasn't incorporated. But, you know, Oliver Springs uh, was a kind of a crossroads. You'd have 10,000 Confederate troops coming through at a time, and then mm. here they'd be coming back the other way in, in 24 hours. And uh, there were no major battles fought there, but it was a cross section and uh, it got a lot of attention from for instance uh, uh, bushwhackers and raiders from both sides mm-hmm. uh, so long story short by the end of the war Oliver Springs was picked clean you'd have uh, people who would come in and, and requisition your cows or your last 400 bushels of corn mm-hmm. to feed the confederate army or they just take them both sides and, they oh. would, and so uh, by the end of the war Oliver Springs oh, was wow. totally destitute <clears throat> people were right at the you know, right at the point of starvation, you know, everything was gone. I'm sure that
1: breeds a lot of resentment as well.
2: It was, it did, and, and of course, then after the war, what you see in our history, a lot of folks came down from the north. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, the, politely, they were maybe called carpetbaggers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of, in a lot of cases, they were industrialists who had uh, – money to invest mm-hmm. and that's what happened in oliver Springs. those
1: northerners
0: always come down
2: here I know it, it all through
1: history <laughs> Through <laughs> and that's okay because your parents
2: did as well right
0: well my parents were from east tennessee they went it, up north on their gotcha. honeymoon stayed and then came back okay wow. so, yeah they, everybody gets smart <laughs> at some point <laughs> yeah. uh, they see
2: the light but anyway uh the richards family uh, that's that's one family that's one of the big families uh right after the war they come down and uh, Joseph Richards is an industrialist. He's actually a, an ar- iron foundry man. He has experience in, in foundry work, mm-hmm. which, you know, in 1865, 70, that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes down and, uh, you know, you could buy up uh, acreage for pennies on the acre. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's starving to death. And that's just what happened, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, here you got this huge land exchange and. Uh, all of a sudden the land is in the hands of the folks that come down with mm. money
0: when i tell you something else a lot of attorneys from up north would buy uh the mineral rights to most of the ridge for coal and so we would run into it especially when we did title work for thda you can't have your mineral rights uh sold or leased i guess oh. it was leased. so Well, into into that problem years ago.
1: Also, there's, I mean, please correct me, I'm so ignorant about these type of things, but I remember going to Windrock Mountain a few years ago, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of oil being... Pumped out of the ground and over natural there. gas. It's huge. natural gas. That's gas. what it was. I mean, all uh, over the place.
2: And do you remember the the big oil fire? You know the, the oh the well yeah. Explosion. that was a national story.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, mean, I actually got some pictures with my camera, one of my nice cameras, when that happened.
2: That was uh, huge. I, my nephew is a volunteer firefighter, and he was on the the mountain rescue team, and they mm-hmm. were up there, you know, kind of uh, giving support to that uh, that capping effort. Yeah, and that uh, thing
1: burned for quite a long time.
2: It did. And, uh, I got to go up just as close as you could get. Mm-hmm. Just you know, the, up past a certain point, uh, you knew when to stop. Right, <laughs> it, it right. told you. But it was amazing uh, how that thing would would pulse, and uh, it's almost like the, the thing was alive. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, shoot, I don't know how many hundreds of feet in the air, but it was huge. But yeah, they're. Uh, uh, who knows what the reservoirs are there? It's, it's huge, and it, mm-hmm. they're, they're really tapping into it. But
1: and back in the 1860s, that wasn't even on the radar back then, but they but they did know that there was a lot of mineral rights to be had. The northerners, I suppose, like Sam Brown, who bought up all this acreage, am I, am I right on that?
2: But yeah, Joseph Richards. Joseph Richards. And, too, think about a foundry. Sam Brown is the guy who was yeah. actually current day. Yeah, I'm getting a, the names confused. Uh, With
1: well, Citadel. Well,
2: now, Joseph Richards, <laughs> being a foundry guy, you know of course uh, you got to have coal mm-hmm. uh, you need to have coal to uh, to smelt I guess mm-hmm. the pro- the process you know where you, you uh, get the iron ore and take the iron from it mm-hmm. uh, uh, being a foundry guy he he knew the the need for for coal to for his foundry work mm-hmm. and so yeah he was uh, he bought up a lot of uh, coal bearing land and
1: so uh, how did how did things progress because you know, what was Oliver Springs' turning point? Because obviously, we have another 150 years of history, and Oliver Spring Springs has become now. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a manufacturing capital of Tennessee by any stretch, but it definitely is not dead. There's still a lot of people that live there, it's thriving. And we only have one minute left in this segment, Robbie, which these segments go by so fast, especially when you're talking about something that really piques my interest. So we're going to continue this conversation um, after these messages. But I wanted to just point out to everybody, if you have friends or family that you'd like to share this show with, they can watch it live on Facebook and on Twitter through Periscope. Um, And also you can listen live, obviously, on TheHousingHour.com. You can share this show certainly as well. Um, But we want to continue this conversation with Robbie right after these messages
0: the housing hour with Kevin Ray continues helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it again Kevin Ray
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host, Mark Griffith, who is our executive producer and co-host. And we have Robbie Underwood with us as well, joining us right here in studio. And we're talking about history. We're talking about all the things that um, really... Inspire Mark and I because those are the things that are so interesting to us. And and Mark and I, since the show has began um, in 2011, the Housing Hour, we've always made it a very big point to have people who like history and talk about history. Mark has become a historian in his own right. Has written the book. Uh, Murder Will Out, which was an amazing historical moment in now current-day Oak Ridge's history. But he's also written other historical pieces as well, um, The Liquidity Factor, which is world-renowned um, piece <laughs> on... on uh, on liquidity. the history of mortgage lending. Yes, it's it's really amazing and there's a four a four part or five part series. I think four. Four part series. Um so those are things that are so important to us because we want to engage with our community and sometimes the one nice thing about history is that if we can watch and learn what happened in our in our history, we can Maybe keep things and prevent things from happening because history tends to repeat itself. So that's another intriguing thing as and well. The, and
0: the important thing about historical society is, is guys like me, nerds who are writing about this stuff. You're right we, about that. We get, you know, we kidding. go to the source, and the sources are archivists at the right. historical society, and that's what Robbie does. That's right. And so you use these people across the the county wherever you're researching, and they're the ones that supply it. So that's why in my end of my book, I have my posse. And I list all the people that helped me. That's so important, to source where you got the information
1: and who helped you. Nobody wants them. I mean, if you just went out there and said, I did this all on my own, you yeah. know, because that wasn't true, number yeah. one. I couldn't have done it. <laughs> but you did a lot of it. And, Robbie, um, historical societies are popular, maybe even more popular in some areas than going to church, you know. And uh, we <laughs> have a good one, too, in <laughs> Oliver Springs. And, you know, I was
2: thinking, uh, Mark and I have talked, and, of course, one of the things that I, I do uh, – is uh, uh, we do some uh, filmmaking, and uh, mm-hmm. I do, and my friend uh, Clyde Clemens, who I work with uh, at times, uh, and we uh, several years ago we actually did a uh, a movie, a docudrama uh, mm-hmm. about a gun battle that took place in Oliver Springs. But I was talking to uh, I was talking to Mark about that, and, and talking about you know his book, which really would make a wonderful oh, project. And but uh, our historical society. It's, it's so funny, you always have, you know, uh, most people understand intuitively why stories like that are so compelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, One of our little ladies that was in the historical society when I was doing this project about this gun battle that took place in 1890, uh, she didn't get it. <laughs> and uh, she didn't get it, she's, she's thinking, well, why do you have to glorify the bad things that happen? Right. You know, why, why can't you make a movie about the good things? And so I was sitting in conversation with her, you know, and and, uh, bless her heart, she's since passed on. She's a wonderful Mm -hmm. person, but she didn't get why we uh, would do a movie about a gun battle and Mm -hmm. uh, all this, you know, shooting and killing. Right. And uh, so her daughter who's a school teacher down in Oliver Springs, mm-hmm. looked there and says, Mom, nobody wants to watch a movie about the water plant. <laughs> yeah. So That's I thought, you know, thing. she said it better than I could say it. Yeah. And we
1: all like to to examine and reflect on things that have happened in the past that are bad, you know, because it's like, well, why did this happen? Let's, let's understand it from a human level. You know, why did this happen? And it is it's very intriguing, you know. And then if you can get people in and talk about that, then the good things are talked about. Well,
0: right? in, in, in this story, in Murder, we Out, everybody always says, like, the O.J. Simpson murder, right? Mm-hmm. Big phenomenon. On TV, a lot I of people follow it. Everybody was glued to it. Tube TV. But the truth of the matter is that everybody says, well, T- TV has glorified these trials. It's not true. Back in 1921, before television, and really before national media was really present and hard, this story was huge. People came from Knoxville, Anderson County, all the way from Brown County. Well, this was a <laughs> day trip. Kid. Everybody was talking about it.
2: Yeah, everybody was talking about that story.
0: Everybody and it was, was also it was written
1: in many different publications throughout the country as well.
0: And they and, and that was hard because they didn't have national wires. You know, out you couldn't there they had to text somebody the you story. You weren't texting then.
1: Well, and I tell you, you know, it, it really speaks as far as history goes and the development of technology and how it is that we tell stories and how it is that we we kind of watch what's happening. For instance, you know, this, this week the Egyptian hijacker before – you know 30 minutes that it actually happened you knew he was an american national and then he wasn't an american national egypt you know so data is just flowing so quickly and you know for history's sake that is one of the other more important reasons that we have historical societies because if we didn't have that i think not that history would die certainly but it
2: keeps it alive in our communities i love uh, reading some of the old uh, newspaper accounts you know journalistic liberties back in the day it it was interesting to watch how some of the uh, uh, the writers, the newspaper uh, writers, would describe, for instance, when somebody you know the uh, accused killer now he's the alleged you know whatever, mm, right. and back then you know so and so was actually apprehended after a uh, after a bloody uh, uh, struggle where he was beat over the head with the butt of a pistol and his right. brains were exposed and right. well, they would you go, can't say that no I'm just, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding yeah I'd leave the brains out okay, well but You know, and they would actually go into great, uh, they would actually, uh, in some cases, convict a fella in the press, mm-hmm. uh, by the things they say, you know, like his his wild eyes, you know, it, it looks though, as though he's possessed of the devil. And they right. would describe things. CNN
1: like, can't say that anymore. No. <laughs> you know, they, that's, and the then you didn't have, um, you know, a guy from the ACLU coming and, you know, suing different organizations because it wasn't that way back then. Well, the,
0: <laughs> these uh, murderers, these four murderers uh, in Murder Will Out were held in just Knoxville uh, County Jail, or the city jail mm-hmm. down here. And they allowed thousands <clears> of... <throat> Of thousands of people came through to gawk at them in their jail. No and they, they were allowed to talk to them after they read the accounts in the newspaper. The uh, people would go through the jail, look at them, gawk at them, and then actually communicate with them. So, I Did mean, the they whole charge? jury pool was getting polluted at this point.
1: Yeah. Did yeah. they charge to come through, kind of like the no, circus? You they should have the shortest
0: lady in the world. They said it the lines from, were wrapped around the courthouse wow, to get in. Wow, really that's really that's crazy.
1: That's really amazing. They don't do a lot of that these days. That, that's no. just not allowed <laughs> yeah. now. There's, you know, in Oliver Springs, and, and we're here with Robbie Underwood. He's the archivist at the is it Oliver Springs Historical Society? Yes, is that yes. what it's? Um, and we're talking about a variety of topics, and we're talking about history. We're talking about the book that Mark wrote, "Murder Will Out," and we're also talking about Robbie's life. And um, I've got so much to talk about, but one of the things that I want to to talk about was some famous people that came from Oliver Springs. And of course, we have um, the very well-known Janelle Arthur, who is your niece, amazingly talented young lady who finished fifth in the American Idol, I guess, two seasons ago or was it three, two seasons ago. And she's just continued to flourish and she's doing amazing things. And Robbie, um, I would say you're instrumental in her musical career because, you know, you helped her, you've written songs for her, you still play with her, she,
0: right? He built her guitar. Now, that's, you that's know, amazing. It's I built my
2: daughter's bike. I just <laughs> had to screw in a couple of... <laughs> you know, this, the story of the guitar, uh, uh, it, it it's its own story. But when she was on American Idol, uh, one of the things she did, she took one of my guitars that I had built out to, uh, to Hollywood, and she played it... Uh, Live on on the international television, mm-hmm. and so my guitar actually is a lot more famous than me. Wow! But that's cool. I had never built her one. She would always she'd play my guitars at various times, but I thought, you know, I really should build Janelle a guitar. Mm-hmm. And so uh, American Idol uh, found out that I was doing this, so they send a, a video crew, a big crew, out to Oliver Springs to video. That's cool. Me building this guitar. And they, Do you uh, have that video? Can you share it? They Actually, they've got the video. You know how that works. Yes. They've yeah. got the video. We'll never see it again. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I bet you there's snippets of it on YouTube somewhere, hopefully. Well,
2: what happened, uh, the, week, the week that Janelle uh, left... American Idol mm-hmm. when she was voted off but uh, well, she wasn't
1: voted off she just didn't receive enough votes uh, right it's yeah, a difference yeah. she got a lot of votes and there's
2: a there's a story about that too and Vince Gill loves to tell it you know she mm-hmm. sang one of his songs mm-hmm. and of course now she and Vince Gill are good buddies and they mm-hmm. uh, they play different shows together wow right yeah right together amazing. sing together She's a, he's on her latest EP no at, kidding at, at, in a duet yeah so you know that's awesome. He's a good buddy to have, if you think about it, Vince Gill.
1: Of course he is, and... In, in- Hold that thought because I want to continue talking about Janelle in a moment because I think she encompasses what we all have in our hopes and dreams. And we we dream about doing great things and big things. And and Janelle, a talented young lady, and there's very few people that have a voice like hers, but it could be in any walk of life. It doesn't have to be music, but she took that that passion and she had such courage to get out there and just be her. And it was amazing. It's a great story. And it's Oliver Springs all in all. So we're going to continue this conversation with Robbie Underwood, archivist extraordinaire from the Oliver Springs Historical Society. Join us right after these messages.
0: The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour, and that's not Janelle Arthur that you hear singing right there. <laughs> Obviously, I would recommend all of our listeners if you if you've not listened to one of her songs. I mean, they can Google it, iTunes. They have
2: as well, uh, iTunes, Amazon. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, uh, we can get you. You know, nobody deals in CDs anymore, or mm-hmm. yeah, some people do. Right. But we can actually, uh, you know, there are CDs available. You know, she's mm-hmm. selling CDs and actually sure. doing very well. Good for her. Uh, she
0: have any free demo stuff that I can put put on the uh, Facebook or promo?
2: You know what I need to do? I'll, I'll talk to Janelle and and uh, find out the details, and I'll, I will let you know. But, if there's
0: uh, a
1: cost, just uh, Bill when, Kevin. Yeah. yeah, Bill Kevin. Yeah, he, <laughs> well, he, he, we can embed the iTunes it, song yeah. so they can get a preview of it, and then if they want to purchase it, they okay, can Okay, that's a good idea. I
2: think the iTunes has previews of, of okay. a whole lot of her stuff. We'll or now. if
1: you have Apple Music for fourteen ninety nine dollars per month, you can listen to the whole thing for free. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And, uh, you know, the, I was telling you, uh, I think at break, about her duet with uh, Vince, Vince Gill. Vince Gill, yes. Yeah. And Which
1: Vince Gill is probably one of the most – amazing country artist of all time
2: and also he's a good guy and you know some people in the industry a lot of people know that I don't know how many people know that on the street Mm. Vince Gill is a genuinely good guy Mm -hmm. and for instance like Janelle he he took Janelle under his wing and uh, since you know she's done shows with him I did not Uh, know that uh, I knew they had
1: sang together but I I didn't know this even on
2: the uh, Opry stage the cool thing about it he was hosting the Grand Ole Opry uh, this has been a year and a half ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, he had the big duet uh, when I call you, when I call your name with Patty Loveless, mm-hmm. and he was the number one seller. I think that was his first big country hit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he's uh, he's hosting the Opry, and Janelle is on the Opry, mm-hmm. and so always the host of the Opry gets to close out the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he uh, comes out to close out the show, he tells this long and convoluted story about Janelle and how he met Janelle and how. In his words, he was responsible for her getting voted off the show because <laughs> she sang his song. The uh, when I call your name, the very last song she sang yeah. before the the vote, you know, when she left the show. Yeah, and uh, he tells it funny, but anyway, right. <laughs> uh, what he does uh, on the Grand Ole Opry stage there in the finale, he calls Janelle out to sing that song with mm. him, and it's just the most you know it doesn't get any better than that for somebody like Janelle who grew up idolizing Vince Gill.
1: Right. Or uh, someone like yourself who loves music and seeing your niece out there actually doing something amazing with her life. That has to be (laughs) extremely rewarding for you because you saw that in her probably when she was young. And I'm sure you encouraged that. And I'm sure parents did too and all of that. But, you know, Oliver Springs is a close-knit family, and you were actually her family. And, you know, it's very rare, let's just say, from Oak Ridge, from Knoxville, from Chattanooga to Nashville. I mean, that somebody with that level of talent um, actually takes a step forward. There's so many talented people in our area, but to have the courage, really, to take what God has given you and actually step out on faith. Because there's so many people that just they just sit on their hands. Ah,
2: I'm not good enough. I'm not going to do that. I mean, how does someone like that have that much faith? Well, Janelle's a proactive person, and she is a person of great faith. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she gives God credit for really everything in her life. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she seeks that in in her in her life in her career. <clears throat> but um, it's getting you choked up. <laughs> yeah. But the the thing about Janelle, uh, you know, when you hear her saying it, you know. Uh, She sings her own songs, almost exclusively now she sings her own music because she writes almost every day. Wow. I think last year she wrote maybe a 100-plus songs.
1: No kidding. Yeah,
2: and and the thing about it, a lot of them are really good. Mm. And, you know, I've written for years, I think I've got about 225, something like that. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, and, you know, I've got – and like every songwriter will tell you, uh, you know that doesn't mean they're all good right. sometimes you write a song to get to the next song you yeah. know you get it out of your head so you can go to the one that you really want to write Yeah. but Janelle uh she is a...
1: But you know what? Even those songs, Adele could make sound amazing. Oh, and yeah, probably you know, Janelle. She, yeah, they could, they could
2: sing the phone book and you know make, exactly. it, make you weep.
1: It's like, and wow, the, who Here's wrote what that? we
0: need to do. When we do the docudrama on Murder World Out, you need to write it. Janelle needs to sing it for the title song. There you go.
1: It'll only be a $25,000 retainer for her services <laughs> yeah. now. i just kidding. Yeah, her price went up somehow when, when she don't Somehow. <laughs> somehow. Uh, you know the thing about it, and I'll
2: tell you this, uh, we did the, uh, the docudrama, that we did about, uh, we called it In the Shadow the of the 1890. Steeple, 1890 gun battle, mm-hmm. right down in the heart of Oliver Springs. With Sam Brown.
1: No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, yeah.
2: But Janelle was in that movie. Her, no kidding. Yeah, she was, I think, 13 years old.
1: Wow. And, uh, oh, I wonder wish American Idol would have picked up on that and put some. You
2: know, and I, I don't think anybody actually, I'm sure they would. You know, because she was so good. Yeah. She was so good. Uh, my little granddaughter, Madeline, who mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, Madeline was great. Madeline was no She about walked off with uh, the prize. Academy you know, she, Award. Oh, my goodness. And the thing about Janelle, uh, you've watched movies where you see a, a cameo mm-hmm. who basically just walks away with the whole thing. That was Janelle. Janelle is mm-hmm. such an actress. Mm-hmm. And uh, she actually. She uh, wanted to
1: get involved in acting? or act-
2: You know, they, uh, she was actually flown out. She did an audition. Before she ever got involved with Idol, I think she was maybe twelve years old, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, she was actually flown out to uh, a movie uh, set to, to audition for a Quentin Tarantino movie. No kidding. And
1: Natural Born Killers. No, it no. was a. You know, I can't. I,
2: right, I can't even remember the name of the movie, but she yeah. she actually uh, she came in second in the audition. Wow. And you know, the, I'll tell you that you now. This is Janelle. Uh, she read the script, and and this is a twelve year old, and this a twelve year old is supposed to have a foul mouth, mm-hmm. and uh, she basically told them that she really wasn't comfortable saying all that stuff they wanted her to say, mm. and that's the reason she didn't get. It. They flew oh, her out to wow. L.A., you know, which you know they never do that, right? Uh, right, no, even you know even studios uh, don't sling airline tickets around, you know, for no. somebody that. But anyway, so uh, they had her queued up, and and uh, she based, so basically. She told them that she didn't feel comfortable with the with the dialogue, mm-hmm. and they got somebody else to do the part. Yeah, but she's a, she's a good actress. Well, so. I, I tell you what,
0: mm-hmm. she can sing the opening, and we got a great part. I know the part that she could play on this one. There you go. Oh, really? That oh yeah.
2: Mean,
0: uh, I don't know if you could afford
1: this, Mark. MIG M- M- only I, has so, so much money. I'm thinking she's going to comp this. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I've got leverage with me and. Uh, well, you know, Robbie, when you talk about your family, you you know, you light up, and that's really you know, amazing because, you know, we all want to have something in our lives, to be able to really look back on and say, hey, here's some great things that have happened. Here's some great things. And you have a great um, city in Oliver Springs, which I actually very much love. And, you know, Windrock is right there, which is just a beautiful place, which I don't suppose is actually in Oliver Springs, but it's you have to access it. it. You have to access it. And, you know, it's a pretty large mountain, actually, Mm -hmm. and I've driven up it many times, Um, and there's so much going on. And, you know, there's other things, too, that are happening in Oliver Springs or have happened. You know, you think about um, some other uh, um, characters, faces, names that, that ring a bell. We only have a couple of minutes here, but give me, give me another person that you think um, people would want to hear about from Oliver Springs.
2: Okay. Our first town marshal. This, this story is so compelling. It's, mm-hmm. it's up there with Mark's story mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, about the, uh, Murder. the murders in Robertsville and what's now a But anyway, our first town marshal's name was Henry J. Cash his nickname was pony mm-hmm. and i was thinking you know you can't make this stuff up because uh <laughs> you know that would you know that'd make a, a hollywood scriptwriter proud yeah, right to on. have a lead character named pony, pony cash right uh that was that was that's who he went by pony yeah. cash and oliver springs in uh back at the turn of the century really was right on not long past the ragged edge of the frontier mm-hmm. you know uh it was a town where there was uh, coal mining and timber cutting, and like the, the towns in the frontier, those folks would come into town, and they were hard to contain. You mm-hmm. know, they're they're kind of a raucous, rowdy bunch, and want to shoot up the town and drink mm-hmm. and you know terrorize. Uh, the the founding fathers of the town, uh, the rich industrialists, you know, the people who wanted Dollar Springs to be this genteel society, uh, hired Pony Cash. Uh, to come in and and, and uh, rein that in, mm. uh, Pony Cash actually was to, my, to cut right to the chase. Pony Cash in nineteen oh four was shot and killed in the middle of Main Street, and it was the culmination. And a or whatever they call it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a, It was actually, bless his heart. Uh, <coughs> it was one of those things. He was, uh, you know, they had the big hotel, the big resort hotel. Mm-hmm. There was a, uh, a nationally known entertainer that was coming in to do a show. Everybody was coming into town. The place was buzzing. And uh, the guy actually who shot and killed him was, uh, he runs out of the drugstore. Pony Cash is actually walking in his direction, and uh, the guy just just, uh, lowers the boom on him, shoots him four times, and they all find their mark, probably any one of which could be fatal. Mm. Uh, But there's a whole compelling story around that. 1924, that happened? 1904. 1904. 1904. So did he
1: come up and try to clean up the town?
2: Uh, Pony Cash was hired to clean up the town. Mm-hmm.
1: He never made it to that, or
2: no? Apparently, he didn't. He just uh, the the guy that shot him, a fellow named Will West. Uh, he was the Will one, West. Will West, not Will.
1: the sports animal guy,
2: William there. West, <laughs> in, just a uh, kind of a fellow who had a long and checkered past, uh, and he and Pony Cash had had a, a running uh, argument. Pony Cash was a Confederate veteran. Mm. Uh, Will West, his family were Union. And so in 1904, you think, wow, the, the Civil War's been over for like 40, 40 years. Mm-hmm. The, it shows you how the passions are.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to continue. Hold that thought with the passions. We're going to continue and wrap up right here on the Housing Hour right after these messages. We'll be right back.
0: Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour here in our last segment with Robbie Underwood, um, the archivist for the Historical Society in Oliver Springs. Thank you for joining us and um, in, in kind of putting a bow on Pony Cash. We're going to learn more about him because that sounds pretty amazing to me. And he has written about him, um, Robbie has. And that's another thing that Robbie has in his repertoire of um, kind of experience and uh, is a very talented individual um, is that he's a writer. He's written many things. And another well-known, th- not well-known thing is that he built – um, like this boom camera thing that only can be found in Hollywood. And who does that? Who just it's builds 60 foot like that? 60-foot boom. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about basically what these people that are building these drones today, he had that many years ago, right?
2: You know, when we set out to do the In the Shadow of the Steeple, uh, one thing we wanted to do was to shoot a movie as much like a Hollywood production as, uh, Notwithstanding the fact that we had no money to do it, so, <laughs> so I, uh, you know, so I go out and I build this boom because you know the, the one thing that sets uh, the average Hollywood movie apart from you know like uh, Fred's video, you know, right, right uh, is that they have these these very spectacular sweeping, right. you know, you, where you have the the camera head that starts high and it swoops down and and it's articulated and you cannot, you know, you can, uh, so I built this, this camera boom. And of course it's cable operated. I was at the Bijou theater when they were doing a, a country music show. I was, I happened to be at, and I see this huge boom up in the, in the, the loft, you know, the balcony. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, yeah, we've done that already. (laughs) But (laughs) but it worked exactly the same, you know, except it is probably prettier than ours, but you know, uh, you don't go to a movie to see the pretty boom. You go to see what the boom does. And, uh, when did you build this? Uh, this was, actually we did the movie in 2004, uh, so I built it, yeah, in probably early in 2004. We also had, you know, a camera dolly that ran on tracks. Yeah, and, that was the
1: thing that Chris told me about. The camera, the camera dolly. dolly that runs on track. Those things That's are incredible. Like hundred, like in Hollywood to get a good boom um, camera, we're talking about eighty thousand dollars probably, like a really good one.
2: Yeah, in fact, I've since refined the whole thing. I I made a fiberglass one. Uh, I laminated this fiberglass boom up, and it's it's you know it's uh, it looks nicer. Mm. It doesn't work any better, but it looks nicer. And uh, but that's how we could get the the good shots, you know. uh, And uh, it shows in our production. I was really proud of it. And you know, uh, our friend uh, Keith. Yeah, Daniel, Keith, Keith McCann, uh, yeah. who has the Secret City Film Festival, mm-hmm. it, it, he's got a he's got a, a PBS show coming up. Oh, yeah, cool. and he does. He's 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 really he's the real deal. Oh, yeah. But anyway, his, his uh, Secret City Film Festival, uh, we thought, wow, we we'll, we were proud of this project, project, and we thought we'll enter it in the Secret City Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Where we won first place. Oh, and it, which for us was like you know huge. Wow. Uh, that's awesome. It was huge, and uh, all the. You know, we did it, uh, like I said, we tried to do it like a Hollywood production. You know, uh, I spent a lot of time scoring the project, uh, mm-hmm. doing soundtrack. It did a lot of bluesy slide stuff, you know, for the... Where is this movie and how can I see it? Well, yeah. like I tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. I'll give, okay, get is, you it, a is it on YouTube? You. Uh, you know, it should be, but it's not. You need uh, to
1: upload that to YouTube because people want to see it. Is it for sale or is it free? We,
2: we sell it through the Historical Society, but the cool thing about it, all my friends... Uh, have copies okay, <laughs> um, yeah. you know how it is you know it's like your baby you know you want people yeah. to see your baby Sure. And well
1: please let us have a copy I'd love to see that <clears throat> Well, it was. And so uh, you wrote the, the soundtrack basically yeah I did the
2: soundtrack and, and did all that in my little studio yeah. that I've got out from my um,
1: house he's got a studio at his house <laughs> amazing well Robbie Underwood we're coming to the end of our hour unfortunately um, it's really been a pleasure talking with you and um, I think uh, we want to get this docudrama thing going and we want to use the boom mics I, I'm going to have a drone that we can use as well think about it droning over the chirp pit oh yeah i mean there's so much that we could do now there's going to be a lot of cgi needed to get to to look like it well i'm joking but um we're going to do it so anyway thank you guys for joining us today this has been an exciting show Um, we want you guys to know that you can go to thehousinghour.com and get all the information out to your friends guys we'll see you next time right here on the housing hour
0: That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investor Street.